All views expressed on this program are opinion. They do not represent Satori Mortgage, NMLS, 4190, or any affiliate. Please consult with a licensed loan officer before making any home financial decisions. Welcome to the Mortgage Talk Show. I'm your host, Steve Conklin, sitting here with Jake DeRaff. How's it going, Jake? Good. How are you doing, Steve? Good. Another week? Another week's doing here. Good. Weather's still pretty good up here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like we'll take it. fall. Well, it's better than the mid of summer or winter. Yeah. I mean, it was like 90 degrees last weekend, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's too cold yet, but it's getting there. So, as always, what do we do? We do the mortgage buzz. Um, and Jake, what do we got? All right, we got a couple articles here today. Our first one is uh, the 10 best places to live in America from Realtor.com. All right. We got a pretty impressive list here, and they uh, went into over 135,000 data points covering economic health, public school performance, amenities, housing, cost of living, a bunch of different factors going in here. Yep. Uh, the the cool thing is, is that at number 10, uh, Woodbury, Minnesota comes in. We made it. So that's shout out to Woodbury. Um, you know, I'm kind of shocked that there's there's no places in Florida. Um, another place we do a lot of business. And let's see what else we got. The most interesting thing, right, Jake? We were looking at was the the home prices. Mm-hmm. The median home price is actually the well, I guess you have Camel, Indiana, and Woodbury, Minnesota are are two of the lowest median home prices. Mm-hmm. Some of these are really expensive. Yeah, you the see... Washington here. Yep. Um, how do you pronounce that? Samish? Samashish? Samashish? I'm not exactly sure. If I was from that area, I would probably know. Yeah, Samashish, that that was pretty uh, pretty insane. What was the... Let me see. I'm flipping to it here. It was what... Median was what? 1.13 million dollars. That's a lot of house. But probably there, it's probably not a lot of house. And you said the the crazy thing is, and I agree, is the median household income there is only 153253 yep. So that tells you there's probably people that make a lot of money mm-hmm. and people that don't make that much money. Yeah, and <laughs> probably pretty much everything is tied up in your house if you're kind of a middle-income person in that area. Yeah, I mean, I I don't, you know, it's amazing how they afforded it. Woodbury comes in the median household income is about 101,000, 102,000, um, which the average house in median price is 369, 642, which is about accurate, I'd say, for, for Metro. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and again, this is household income. So a lot of that is, it's not personal income. That's, that's you know, two people. Um, yeah, I mean, Woodbury, the whole area over there has grown quite a bit. Yeah, and I think kind of the interesting thing I see here, especially when they show the map of these top ten, is just how it's kind of all over. It's not uh, centralized in one area of the country at all. We got West Coast, uh, the Northwest, South, East, Minnesota. We got it all over. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I, I'm, you know, Franklin, Tennessee is a beautiful place. That's number six. I've been there. Um, and then number one is Frisco, Texas, which is outside of Dallas. Um, that area is, 
crazy booming. I think that's going to probably overtake the Houston area soon as far as one of the biggest cities in America or metro markets or however they however they measure that yeah, stuff. Yeah, whatever, whatever measurement you're using that time. Yep, yep. But, yeah, you know, the good thing is is that out of this, when we look at it, I mean, to relatively to the income, to housing, you know, Minnesota's obviously it's still a great job market, but you know the the average home price is still pretty pretty good compared to a lot of major major metros around the country. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's still you know it's not super affordable, but it could be a lot less affordable. All right, well, let's uh, let's move on to our second article here. All right, our second article here is from the Washington Post, and it's a bill would aid mortgage applicants who rely on the gig economy for earnings. And this is talking about how uh, self-employed b- uh, borrowers, when you're trying to find a mortgage, uh, you have a little bit less options than our uh, W-2 uh, uh, friends out there. As I was reading this article, I just had one thought. Hey, Jake, what is a gig economy? Uh, well, gig economy would go along with like our Uber drivers, Lyft, all those type of things where you're just kind of working on a gig. You get paid for that gig, and you are self-employed for, okay. for how you declare your earnings. Yeah, I you know for for years, um, probably since the housing crash, which I guess what is that 2007? I think the year on that was officially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they've they've tightened tightened up rules and regulations. Um, they, it was pretty, um, 2008 to 2010, I mean, rules were really, really tightened. Um, you know, especially the, the most hurt out of all the new rules and the most abused programs were the programs actually for self-employed people. Um, the whole stated loans and all that stuff was actually loans used for people that had good credit scores and money, mm-hmm. but they, you know, they necessarily, we'll get in this later in the show is they you know they wrote down some of their income so their income you know you, you can make 150,000 let's say as a small business owner um and you know your net tax liability might be 40 yep if you have you know whether you're doing the numbers yourself or you have an accountant the smarter you are with your writing off and expenses the more you're hurting yourself when it comes to qualifying for a mortgage but you, you want to be doing that. You know, a smart business person is, you know, you're supposed to write off things. Correct. And, I mean, it, it obviously it helps helps lower, lo, uh, lawyer, uh, well, I cannot talk right now, <laughs> uh, low, lower, um, you know, the, the risk. Liability. Yeah, yeah, tax liability. And, you know, also for, for the lenders, I can see their point of, point of view. Um, I always thought it was tied to the government where the government basically said, well, if you're not going to pay any taxes, we're not going to sponsor your mortgage because, you know, at some point, and I still think it is, I mean, about 90% of all, you know, conventional loans, QM loans, they would say, are sponsored somewhat by the government. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always thought that was their way of, of making people pay more taxes. <laughs> um, and that brings us into, you know, basically like self-employment income. You know, how how is that calculated, you know? Um, and you know, what is it? Right. So how to qualify if you're a self-employment person, you basically, it's two years of tax returns. Um, and if you file business separately, it's two years of business tax returns. Um, generally they take an average of those two years. Um, and it is, it is your net profit. Um, so if you have a hundred thousand dollars in gross receipts and you're at $40,000, that's sixty thousand, um, so you get to use the sixty thousand. 
However, there is some good like uh, deductions and things we can add back in. One of the things that I add back in quite a bit is mileage. Um, people that you know uh, drive drive a lot, especially carriers, truck drivers, um, things of that instance. Even salespeople, I you know they they put on you know thirty forty thousand miles a year. Mm-hmm. You get actually twenty four to twenty seven cents a mile on that. Um, you can also add back in depreciation. Um, you can add back in uh, your if you rent your home office. So it's there's a few things that that you can add back in and still do the conventional conventional route. Um, and the thing is, is I see a lot of people that will go from W two. Um, let's say they work. I just had one the other day that was like a compu- computer consultant. Um, he was W-2 for a consulting company, and then he went 1099. 1099 is considered self-employment income as well. Mm-hmm. And so you need two years of that. And it's it's kind of different because if the, he would have went 1099 to W-2, he would have been fine based off of his W-2 income. But in this case, he actually has to wait another two years Yep. or two tax cycles. Um, you know, the, the good thing is, is that, there is, you know, there's, there's other, there's other programs that are out there. Uh, the rates aren't nearly as attractive. Um, you know, we've talked about them before. It's the fastest growing segment in the mortgage market. And part of the reason is just because when you have a good economy, you know, your small businesses are usually generating cash, mm-hmm. um, and, and for the owners. Um, and so they might not document it, you know, through taxes and, and have a profit, but what they do has is they have cash and credit scores and they can, you know, sometimes this article talks about it, they can have, there's programs where you put down 15, 20%, um, and they'll go off of, you know, bank statements, they'll go off of different, different other things where the, the lender will guarantee the income. The, you know, the downside of that is you're looking at a little bit higher rates. Yeah. So part of this bill, uh, the Self-Employed Mortgage Access Act is the name of the bill, is mm-hmm. giving more access into the qualified side of it as well. Exactly. Like giving you the, basically the same rates as, as they would give somebody that's a W-2 borrower. Yep. So you don't uh, have to go into the non-QM side of things where you're looking to have to bring more down and the higher rate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, I think there's good changes to be made. I mean, I'm right now. I'm I'm really happy with kind of the guidelines and the rules. I, I think it's it's really a good happy medium. But you know, there's always changes to be made. Hopefully, they just don't go one side or the other, make it too tight or too loose. So, I hear the music, Jake. About to take our break. We'll be back. Stephen Jake from Satori Mortgage. Seward Co-op, serving the community for nearly 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations, both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect. Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at seward.coo. Hello, this is Ralph Nader, host of the Ralph Nader Radio Hour. Join me and my guests every week when we dive deeply into the subjects that matter to you the most, but are rarely on the mass media. Every Sunday for early birds at 7 a.m. and Monday at 6 a.m. And if you're not an early bird, 9 p.m. on Monday, right here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's a good day to be indigenous. Native Earths Radio presents I'm Awake. Our weekly Native American talk radio show will discuss national and local Native American news and events. Local and national guests will help us keep current 
with Mother Earth, tribal, and Twin City issues. Native American issues are human issues. We invite all people to walk hand-in-hand with our struggles, victories, and achievements. Listen Saturdays at 2 p.m. I am awake. Hi, this is Ken Hagland, host of the Minnesota Hospice and Healthcare Show, your source for elder care and caregiver solutions, inviting you to listen to our live call-in show airing on Saturdays from noon to one. Each week, we provide answers to important questions regarding elder care and caregiver issues to help you and your loved ones plan for the future and enjoy your best quality of life. Please join us this Saturday from noon to one for the Minnesota Hospice and Healthcare Show and learn more about us at minnesotahospice.com. This is Chad, owner of AM950, here to tell you about Snap Construction. They're experts in roofing, siding, window, and insurance restoration. They have energy-efficient products available for both residential and commercial properties. This spring, when we needed a company to take a look at a problem with our roof, I called the company I knew I could trust, Snap Construction. I've known Ryan, the owner at Snap Construction, for years, so I knew I could trust him. Don't just take my word for it. Check out their reviews online. They are arguably the most well-reviewed exterior contractor online in the metro area. Over the years, Ryan has always said the same thing to me about his work. If we build it, shouldn't we be held accountable for the work indefinitely? He backed that statement up years ago when Snap Construction was a pioneer in offering a lifetime craftsmanship guarantee on all their work. For a free estimate or general questions, call the locally owned company AM950 Trusts Snap Construction at 612-333-SNAP. That's 612-333-SNAP or find them online at snapconstruction.com. They have financing options available. the Mortgage Sack Show. Again, I'm your host, Steve Conklin. I'm sitting here with Jake Duroff from Satori Mortgage. How you doing, Jake? Good. Glad to be here for some Q&A. Yeah, it's our, as always, my favorite my favorite segment. I, I mean, I like them all, but uh, I think questions actually has the most value. Steve likes to supply some answers. Yeah. I, I don't always like to hear myself talk, <laughs> but when I do. Um, all right. Well, let's, let's get it started. All right, our first question here is from Amanda, and it's, what is a prepayment penalty? Hey, Amanda. Uh, so Amanda's doing a, a refinance, and she's doing something that's a non-QM loan that we've talked about that's a little outside the box. And some of these are starting to come with prepayment penalties. Um, these were very popular in the housing crash. Uh, some people got stuck in a some nasty prepayment penalties. Um, basically, what it is is it's it's something you sign where if you refinance or pay off your loan before a certain amount of time, in her case, three years, um, then she's charged uh, extra interest. Um, in this case, it's if it's paid off in two, it's it's twelve months. If it's paid off on the third year, it's four months of interest. And so you, you know, just to do math real quick, that's probably about an additional four thousand dollars that will go to our payoff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, outside of three years, then you're fine. Um, so it's they're they're starting to come back on the market. There's four, five, six, seven, ten, fifteen pages of disclosures that that walk you through how you know, what it is and how it is. And again, you know, if you have any questions, you contact your loan officer. Um, 
you know, but they're, they're starting to come back into the market. I don't advise them for every, everybody, but you know, everybody's different. Everybody has different cases and in her, her case, it, it makes sense to go with it. Yeah. But the rules and stuff, it's not going to be the surprise that it was with the crash where everybody's like, this prepayment penalty, what are you talking about? I was not informed of that. Yep. And I actually make everybody, you know, I, I make it a big point um, in emails and, you know, disclosures and everything to really educate somebody on like what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, you know, my mom, personally, my mom got stuck in one um, in like 2002. And I mean, I, she was, she was pretty angry. Um, and I, I understand her side of view and, you know, what we try to do at Satori is, just try to help educate and again you know it's for some people and it's not for others yep uh next question here is from tosin uh when does my mortgage insurance fall off all right so this is a fresh question this was today this morning um she's closing our house next week and she is doing a conventional like one of those home possible loans three percent down great interest rate um and her biggest thing was, is like, well, when does my $226 mortgage insurance payment fall off? Um, and that's a good question. You know, it's, as we've talked about it before, it's tied to the loan to value. Um, loan to value is, you know, the basic math is if you have a $100,000 loan amount, you know, whatever you owe, if it's 97000 then you it's a 97% loan to value. Um, you know, it falls off after you reach 80 or less. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can go by two ways. That can go through equity or that can go through paying, um, paying down your loan. Um, they, I think it automatically falls off after 10 years just based on the mathematics of the amortization. It's 78% it automatically falls so off. So 78%, yeah. So it, it if you make your payments on the closing disclosure, it says basically after 11 years that it will fall off. Um, so if you make your payments, the same payments after 11 years, it'll fall off. But that's also taking into the fact that there's no home appreciation. Um, you know, and in general, like it's the best thing to do is to go find your home value. Um, if you think you're, you're close to it, um, contact your mortgage insurance, it, you know, whoever they are. Um, if it's the lender, it might just be the lender. It might be a separate company, but you know, and tell them how do, how do you go about taking this off? Because on a conventional loan, it does fall off. On an FHA loan, unfortunately, you know, nowadays you are you are stuck with it. Yep, and then that's where if you are feeling that that payment is something you want to get rid of, you you talk to us so we can go through possible refinance options that would be available to you. And on a refinance, that's how you can get rid of it. Absolutely, you can. Uh, yep, you're right. Correct. You you can refinance out of it as well. Um, depending on the rates and everything, you know, right now we're in a, we're in a, um, rate market that's going up. They're actually at the five year high, but you know, so it's, it might not make that much sense, but you're, you're hundred percent correct. Um, you know, you can go in and look at your refinance options and, and try to get out of that mortgage insurance because mortgage insurance is, you're kind of are, you know, kind of burning, burning paper a little bit. Mm-hmm. All ne- right. Next question here is from Rich. How do I buy a second home? All right, Rich. Um, so he had a question, and I think a second home, one of the reasons I put this on here is a second home has a lot of meanings. Mm-hmm. Um, I get it a lot. you know. And, and the thing is, like we always say the plan, talk to the loan officer, and my first question was, Rich, what, what type of home are we talking? Do you want to buy an investment property? Do you want to buy a Florida beach house, a cabin? I mean, you know, and in his case, he wanted to, you know, buy – a house closer to his parents where he was, he works remotely and he was able to stay there, you know, a few months of the year. And so that's, that's technically a second home. 
Um, and those rates are, are really good. Um, it's pretty much the same as a primary home, but you know, you have to spend a certain amount of time there every year and you, you're looking at probably putting down at least 10%, if not more. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously it has to, you have to qualify in your ratios and stuff. Um, you know, and again, if you're buying an investment property or something else, you know, a cabin or, or something like that, then, you know, again, the financing stuff might be a little different, but you know, a second home, you're looking at 10%. Um, you got to spend some time there, and but the rates are pretty close to your primary property. Yeah, and one of the reasons for the larger down payment with that is the risk to the lender is if you know you come on a little bit of hard times, what's going to be the first property you let go? Exactly. Probably not your primary residence. Nope. Exactly. Um, that's that's exactly right. They, most of the time, people that's probably the last thing they want to let go is their primary home. So yeah, they definitely have you know more you know, more, uh, what's that called? More liability. Mm-hmm. All right. Next question here is from Ryan. Should I put my investment properties into an LLC? Um, liability corporation. Yeah. So Ryan's looking at buying a few homes, um, this year. Uh, you know, he's just, they're still out there trying to find, find rental properties out there. And it's, it's a hard, it's a hard buyer's market. I can tell you that, but, but there's still stuff out there. Um, and we get, I get this question all the time from our investors out there is, you know, should I put properties in LLC? I always say the best thing you can do is we've talked about investment teams is the best thing you can do is to get a real estate lawyer on your side. Um, somebody that knows the laws, they know the liabilities. Um, you know, it's one thing if you have a a property one or two, it's another thing if you you know if you're gonna go out an all-out assault and just start buying properties left and right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I obviously I I you know generally the the rule of thumb is yes. Um, why wouldn't you? Um, that way, you know, if something happens, you know, you don't you're not personally liable for the loan. But also, you know, you should look into you know ramifications of if you do have an LLC, if you don't, you know, I, I just, I always recommend somebody talking to, you know, we're loan officers, we can get you the mortgage, I put you on the best path possible that I know how to do, but I do not know anything about accounting and I don't know anything about real estate law. Yep. And I think that's a talk very, to the experts. Yeah. The very, experts on, on our subject, talk to the expert on the other subject. Correct. And that's, that's the one thing, you know, that we were talking about the couple segments ago about the investment properties is, you know, you got to have your team, get your team. And I think somebody, a good person on that team is a real estate lawyer. Um, and again, if you're thinking about how to go buy properties, give us a call. Um, I, I have, I have a network of people that I can put you in touch with and, but yeah, it's rule of thumb is yes, but always ask an expert. Uh, expert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our next question here is from Mark from Edina Realty. How long do I have to wait to close after the buyers have signed their CD? So we get this a lot. Um, closing from, disclosure. From agents, yep. CD is a uh, closing disclosure. Um, and it's it's it was put in with TRID, which was what, two years ago, uh, three years ago. Um, and that the pre, prelim closing disclosure is something that kind of shows the cash to close, uh, loan amount, rate, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the borrowers will, the buyers will have to acknowledge that. Um, and then that starts a three-day cooling off period. Um, so generally it's three days. Saturday does count as a rescission day. So that's why it's always nice to have, I always like to have closings on, you know, Wednesday or Thursday of the following week. Cause if you get it out the week before you're good. Um, but uh, you know, if the, for some reason the CD doesn't go out by Tuesday, there's no way to close that week. You have to go into the following week. Mm-hmm. 
And then um, slightly different, but uh, we got another question here from Alonzo in Minneapolis. Why is there a three-day rescission period? And this one's fresh, too. This was this morning. Um, Alonzo closed a, a refinery office. Congratulations, Alonzo. And the three-day recession period was put in there to basically have the same thing, a cooling-off period. Gives you three days to think about, you know, is that the right loan for you? Did you do the right right thing were are these fees numbers, right yep yeah, are these numbers the ones you saw the whole time Correct. you know yeah. and it was put in there you know really because you used to be able to change numbers at the table and you know obviously not everybody's not everybody's a good soul so there's a lot of things and it's basically only on your primary house and you get the three days to make sure that it's the loan that works for you yep well i hear the music jake great show have a great sunday and we'll see you next week All views expressed on this program are opinion. They do not represent Satori Mortgage, NMLS, 4190, or any affiliate. Please consult with a licensed loan officer before making any home financial decisions.